Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzorts, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt, aka Null. Yeah. Reed, aka Sick Robot. How you doing? And Morgan, aka Spleenface. What's up, everyone? And in this episode, on this very, very special day, uh. Which is, I guess, not necessarily when it's when whenever it gets gets released. We're recording this on February twenty second, twenty twenty two, and we'll probably be done recording this around ten twenty two p.m. or in in uh, twenty four hour time, two 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 two. Uh, we Wait, will what? be discussing. I didn't even know that. This whole time uh, we were setting it up for that. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're we're aiming for that that's what we're aiming for time wise. Uh we will be covering uh a <laughs> we're gonna be covering two v two. Uh <laughs> Oh yeah, I also forgot that it's a Tuesday today. Yeah. <laughs> it's the into the north Tuesday two v two special episode. but you know that you because guys, it's you in guys the title realize that, Yeah, I was about to say you guys realize that, like it's in the title. This is all spoiled ahead of time. <laughs> That's true. Maybe maybe the joke is lost on the people who's like they're they're listening to this on you know like February twenty seventh. Yeah, I can guarantee you, no one's gonna be listening to this today. Yeah, (laughs) I I might refuse to put this on a playlist on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took us only three hours in pre-show to figure out. <laughs> what? How do you most overload? Which theme to go with for this episode? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, longtime listeners may remember when the pre-show was entirely dedicated the fan to us, fan this, favorite pre-show yeah, topic. Discussing nothing but two v two, a format that is enti- entirely local to, to Southern <laughs> to Toronto CDH meta. So you might be thinking we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but our our runner-up episode was episode twenty-two, part two. <laughs> <laughs> that was our runner-up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, for those, of, well, we'll we'll be giving. So, uh, I guess the the format has gotten more exposure than you know you know just outside of our our circle of kind of friends who who play it. Um, because the okay, it was there was a video with the spike feeders. Um, and someone from Second Seven on, I think, the channel called Possibility Storm. Uh, Maureen, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Possibility yeah. Storm did a video with uh, Fitz from uh, AOTA, uh, Jim from the Spike Feeders, and Josh from Second Seven uh, playing 2v2. And uh, around a month or so ago, uh, the Mystic Remoras did a live stream where they played 2v2 as well. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, and I think you know we were, we were discussing we're pretty sure that that we because we had we played on stream with the mystic moras with like two-headed giant and then we uh and we, we did we try butt. as hard as we could to <laughs> convince them to not do two-headed giant <laughs> uh and and yeah we basically after that we're like you know there's a version there's a version of uh that's like way two more player interesting you know to play. that's not that's not that doesn't suffer the same problems as two-headed giant and you know and i think we I introduced them to the format there, and then I guess you know from there, there it's it's spreading, which is great because this 
I'll say I I love two v two. It is it is a really interesting format. But yeah, before we'll, we'll we'll get into the differences between two v two, so you know people know what we're talking about. Um, before that, uh, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? And you know we're not allowed to say two v two because you know we're gonna stop talking. About so it's the reverse. It. We talk yeah, about yeah, exactly. EDH. <laughs> in, the, in this in this you know bizarre world, <laughs> bizarre world, it's. The the two v two main topic and the CDH, uh, pre show. Uh, I've been getting back on that vintage cube grind. Oh yeah, getting those streams in for Zach. Gotta give him his content. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dude, I I, I've not felt a strong urge to go jam vintage cube. I probably will. I mean, I do every season, but uh, I've you know. As has been the theme for the past couple episodes, it's all mostly been Master Duel. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Still jamming that. Having fun with that. So, yeah. Nice. Oh, actually, I, I actually do have an update uh, on something that I haven't had an update for a while. Um, I relapsed and started playing TFT again because a friend wanted to try it out. And, uh, yeah, so I just got back into it and made it back to Masters. Pretty happy about that. Um, I think think i could probably go a bit higher than masters but it would require like an exponentially larger time sink so i'm not really feeling it but yeah feels feels good to be get back in the saddle and also feels a bit weird to be back addicted to video games (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh i uh i guess i guess non-card gaming one thing i've found is like man i it's like if I'm not playing Magic, it's like okay, I'll, I'll play Yu-Gi-Oh. It's like I just haven't been playing other video games or like other mm. games really. It's like it's always card games. It's just that's kind of like my uh, my always been my my focus and my go-to. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure everybody on this podcast can sort of relate, but it like there always has to be a card game in my rotation of games that I'm playing, right? Like, I just like. Yeah. I, I, I can't exist without being able to play a card game. So if it's not magic, it's got to be something else. Yeah. It's not magic, it's Euchre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah never, never oh, my God. Euchre, Am I... I don't want to start drama right now. <laughs> uh, too late. Kind of a hearts player myself. Yeah. Um, I did, I did uh, play some Baba's You um, with a friend the other night. And I, I, uh, I jammed... Uh, so someone had done some streams on the... Uh, a friend of the friend scott had done some uh baba's you streams on the frog server before and so i was familiar with it but you know my friend wanted to start like a new game so we've been doing that and it's uh that game is that game is dope really cool puzzle Dude, what is this game how do you spell this baba's you? baba is you b-a-b-a oh is baba you is i thought you said you, you is you i'm like <laughs> this has to do with trees <laughs> maybe it's the uh <laughs> the runescape dude you log baba's you my favorite side quest um, no, dude. Yeah, it's it's a. I feel like as it's. Pe- people will say, oh, it's like programmer kind of logic puzzle game. I mean, I I think you know. I mean, I'll as much as I, you guys are much more you know, computer science x sort of thing. So maybe maybe it will appeal to you. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, it's really fun. Oh, I nice. I do want to say I feel like that's an underexplored dynamic of this podcast. Cause I I feel like, <laughs> there's like. I feel like in a lot of ways there's like a 3v1 dynamic um for each of us 
And Lyndon's is the engineer being stuck in a room full of computer scientists. It, I thought I'm, it was I'm, that it's it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We're all crazy, dude. <laughs> dude, they, you guys have you guys have been dead for ten years, man. This is I'm recording a podcast solo, doing all the different voices. Oh no! Full... <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, Lyndon does have that over over semantic. <laughs> like... Is a is, has that ability to just be like hyper semantic, so which is comes from you know programming. No, it's I'll say, I, I, yeah. all my uh, generally most of my friend like in in high school, most of my friends were were in computers. I, I feel like you know there was there was a a parallel world where I was also went into computer science. Um, but yeah, it's just I guess I get along with a bunch of uh, sweaty nerds who like to code. So nice is what it is um yeah cool <laughs> that was a weird tan tangent for our uh pre-show but uh yeah you know you gotta get weird with it when when you can't do 2v2 as your pre-show you gotta really dig deep <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think after we introduce the title and the topic for the main show like, the people the people who are still listening are the ones who will stick through anything so oh yeah who <laughs> <laughs> have a captive audience <laughs> um yeah, so uh, without further ado, let's jump into housekeeping. Uh, housekeeping, we normally cover our new patrons, but this week we have no new patrons, so no housekeeping. That's it. Short segment. Um, but, you know, as we normally do anyway, I'd still like to give a shout-out to all of our existing patrons. Um, uh, just, you know, you guys help support the show, and as we, we talk about in the end of every episode, um, it's, it's integral, yeah. and we appreciate you guys a lot. You guys are our bedrock. Uh, uh, so on to new developments. Um, yeah, we we talked about this. We talked about this like two weeks ago, or sorry, two episodes ago. Um, uh, it, I think it's been like three episodes at this point. Anyway, yeah, uh, Marchesa. The so there's a tournament, um, in Seattle at Mox Boarding House, uh, put on by a uh, previous guest of the show, joking, um, and and all around just. To All Star, yeah, CDH, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I love, I do, I do love. I, I think we should do that going forward, though. If anybody's ever been on as a guest of the show, that's, that's the always their primary introduction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so uh, we are Reed, Morgan, and myself uh, will be going uh, uh, to this event. So if you know anyone is going. Um, or in the area, you know. Or you're in the area, yeah. Vancouver, like, I know, I know some people who didn't make it for the main event, who are still going, and you know, just to hang out and uh, do some of the other the other side events and stuff. So awesome, yeah. Because I I think they have both. So they have CDH, but they also have a Legacy and Conquest. Uh, Conquest, yeah. which is pretty cool. This is I is this gonna be the first real life Conquest event, or was there one at like Vegas or something? There, I mean. I think Morgan and I went to the last. No, no, there was. I guess there was a Vegas in between, but that was like a not official. I think. I think this is the first real life. Uh, yeah. Cool. I, there was no conquest. conquest. Nice. Yeah, like big conquest that's, tournament. That's sweet. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sweet format. <laughs> I think it's awesome that it's getting a bit more eyes. Mm hmm. Um. Also, really cool that uh, that the CDH main event is like a hundred people. I think, and like the fact that there's a wait list for that is is honestly kind of dope <laughs> like the the for the format is doing well 
uh thriving and yeah. popular and people want to play it in, in paper and tournaments like that is that is awesome dude i remember when you know we'd go to meet up at, at gp montreal or, or the the magic fest and like there was the five people playing cdh and it was you know we were four of them <laughs> oh no you dude you don't even uh freaking um mf niagara <laughs> the classic <laughs> myself morgan braided and pongo the only four cdh players there <laughs> we've come so far <laughs> well but also braden only arrived on like he arrived like the day after we did so we spent like yeah it was we spent like three hours play we played like 15 pods of like of three-way 3dh it was, oh, it was wow. just shuffle hulk <laughs> sacred hulk and i was playing niv mizzet food chain it was it was rough oh, <laughs> Poor Morgan, throwback um yeah so uh let us know if you're going to be at marchesa and we can kind of you know make time say hi or you know if you see us there just say hi we'd love to hear from you guys um yeah uh into the main topic of the show and uh as i said earlier it is 2v2 um so what is i guess we should we should probably start off with uh what is 2v2 so people get, can get on the page of like the same rules and and what that and then we can kind of discuss um a bit of the history and kind of how that came about so who wants to cover what makes 2v2 2v2 I believe you, Morgan. Sure. But sorry, All right. Confused. Confused. It's me. You've been voluntold. <laughs> I've been voluntold. All right. Uh, so 2v2 is a team-based uh, way of playing EDH. So the standard deck construction rules still apply. 100-card uh, singleton. You have a commander. Um, you're not allowed to have the same commander as your partner. Um, and uh, scheming symmetry is banned. Um, hold, hold on. Morgan, Morgan. What? So you you said it's a, a team based way to play commander, but doesn't that format already exist? And isn't it called two headed giant? Yeah. So so the thing about two headed giant is that it's terrible. Um, there are <laughs> there are a lot a lot of issues um, based around uh, like first of all, having the shared life total uh, makes things like uh, like ad nauseum uh and and some other cards like that just necropotence yeah necropotence just like kind of a a little bit dumb and untap both of you untapping at the same time um also creates like it 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 turns turn order into uh kind of an issue where like it's almost impossible to stop someone from going off with someone spending their entire turn protecting them unless you basically skipped your previous turn to hold up as much interaction as possible. Um, and so the idea with two headed or with two V two is that you sit opposite your partner. You don't take shared turns and you don't have a shared life total. So each player has 30 life. Um, and then you alternate, uh, like you sit opposite your partner. So yeah, A, B, A, B. Um, and the person going first doesn't draw, which is, less of a disadvantage than it is in two-headed giant where two people don't draw um but still a little bit more fair than it is in cdh where the person going first still does um yeah and it also like it introduces some nice strategic or like strategy to actually like picking turn order because there's 
like a reasonable amount of time where you might both be playing control decks so like you're like oh okay we'll go second and fourth rather than first and third so we get the extra card yeah that's that's occasionally uh, an option um so so yeah it 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 i would say it uh two-headed giant influences some cards in a really negative way um another one is like uh, aetherflux reservoir uh, where you can just activate it instantly because yep. the starting life total into it a giant commander is 60 um so so the idea okay. is that you have uh a slightly basically you pl- you still play two versus two but you avoid some of the the really strange quirks of of how uh two-headed giant works but you you mentioned turn spells into a giant right uh, I didn't, but yeah, that's another really good one. Where like, that's also <laughs> turn, turn, turn spells so turns out to be the only thing giant. to do in two headed giant, uh, because yeah. when when your turn spell, so you know time walk is banned, but uh, you know you're so the current going rate for a turn, an extra turn is five mana for an extra turn for one player. Well, in two headed giant, when you're getting two extra turns for the price of one, um, you are paying two point five mana for a turn spell. Uh, per, per, ter- time per turn which is which sounds like time walk to me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh so turn spells are uh just absurd and and yeah so. and that's not even to mention like in two-headed giant edh you can play like just play like double edric and then both you, both people get double edric triggers and then both people are playing turns and it just yeah it's disgusting <laughs> yeah. so the, the thing what what i think really makes 2v2 shine um and, and and so yeah so i get to i guess to summarize is life totals uh did we discuss what the actual life totals are you say 30 i, I did say i did it, say but... 30 uh, okay yeah. but yeah. it was so, sort of mixed in the middle so it might have gotten lost one thing is because and so there's there's a couple really interesting aspects um that i think i think yeah we, we should we should talk about you know so some of these rules a bit so and and how they address the issue so 30 life you know we talked about the problems of having um you know all your your life group together shared with your partner um but there there is there is even further advantages you're not just solving those problems but when you split the life totals um it adds an interesting dynamic where you can uh focus on one player and if you kill one player it's now a 2v1 right um so there's a lot of incentive to to take out one player and you know you're like well 30 life how how viable can aggro be well um when you have two people two people it's more like 15 life it's yeah. if they're both focusing down one player right and you can't so have like super is, imbalanced is decks strong. like you can't have super imbalanced decks where one of them is primarily the you know the the aggro and one was primarily con- the control like that does work but you would leave the control deck potentially up to getting just knocked out early mm-hmm. um and so yeah that, that that's part of the life total and one of the things that i really like about 2v2 um that i, I think Two-headed giant, you're able to explore commander synergies, but because of the the way that they want, you just want to play turn spells um, and, and kind of the, stre- the the decks almost build themselves, um, and you can't lean into your commander synergies as much because it's just worse than doing the kind of generically good thing. Whereas in two v two, you're just you're very incentivized to lean into the commander synergies, which is and and the commander synergies with by having a partner and, and your commanders. You know, people people talk about the the um, kind of thought experiment of what if every commander had partner, right? What well, what kind of awesome synergies could you get there? That's kind of what the two v two is asking you to figure out. It's if you could have one player playing one, you know, 
uh, commander or pairs of commanders, you're playing something else. What interesting uh, synergies can you build upon from there? So um, some good example. I mean, maybe, so we've got some of our favorite examples that we'll go into later, but I'll give it an example of um, something that, just so that people can, can kind of have something to work with, something tangible. So uh, I done a uh, worked on a deck with a friend where we built uh, Doran, the Siege Tower, um, as kind of like an aggro staxi deck, and the partner was playing Silas Sadar. And so Sadar uh, has some. Let me let me let me just pull up Sadar so I can actually read his text. Um, so Doran, if you if you guys will remember, will make it so that uh, creatures are using dealing damage with their toughness. Um, and then Sadar Kondo of Jamura with partner says creatures your opponents control without flying or reach can't block creatures with power two or less. And he's a two five. So with Doran and Sadar, uh, you you both have five fives in the command zone that are now basically unblockable uh and and so you're just a beatdown deck uh playing stacks um and you know i guess with with uh silas you also have some efficient you know blue interaction so that that's the sort of like cool synergy that you just wouldn't see you know, anywhere else uh well, cool yeah so that's the rules of 2v2 and let's talk about kind of how we came to uh, play the format and kind of our personal history with it, and I'll volunteer Matt to talk about this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, in our kind of early days of graduating and moving back to Toronto, we were trying to find, like, you know, a play group, and we ultimately ended up meeting up with a person known online as Tom T. Tom T. G. And we played CEDH with him, front of the show. Front of the show. And one day he's like, "Hey, uh, I go to this LGS on, you know, just outside Toronto, and we play this format called Two v Two. Do you guys want to get in my car?" <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of that's. I mean, that's the brief history. That's the inception of it. But, and I think before kind of we showed up, um, it escapes me. What was the store called again? Um, X Planet. X Planet. X Planet. Yeah. Um, They'd been playing it for multiple years, as far as I uh, understand, and refined the rules to the point where it is today. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really sad that, like, you know, I, I so it's a bit of a, I mean, it's kind of a bit of a trek for all of us. Um, yeah. Like, so it was it was fun to kind of make you know make an event out of it. Uh, they they ran it. Yeah, once, once a, a month, I think. Once a month, once yeah. A month, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, that's... Which is actually, it's a really great time frame, too, because it means that you don't really get tired of the format, and, yeah. like, it gives everybody time to, like, come up with a new idea. A completely and then, new like, deck. Bring it, or like, a completely new a set new of team. stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, and then bring, like, new decks and, like, match them up against each other. So, like, it kept it really fresh. There's just so much design space, too, to explore. It's it's really refreshing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so so it's a, it's a bit of a trek, but yeah, it was it's really sad that since the pandemic started, we we did a mini two v two. I mean, it's hard to even call it a tournament, but I mean, I guess uh, we we did like a mini two v two kind of it, exhibition. It uh, was it was branded as a tournament, so yeah, we'll call it a tournament. Sure, a tournament. <laughs> um, but yeah, since 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 then, you know, I haven't played any two v two at all, and it's just that's a consequence of the pandemic, fortunately. Um, so yeah, ho hopefully. Uh, things start going up, and and maybe we can uh, jam some IRL two v two. That'd be nice. That'd be fun. 
Um, but yeah, so in terms of actually, there there are some things we didn't mention uh, in specific rules to two v two. Um, so there there are the ban list is basically the same as commander with one exception. Um, scheming symmetry is additionally banned because it has to be it's that card is absurd. So not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, explain uh, it to me. I don't understand why. Is <laughs> <laughs> so you you know scheming symmetry you're like oh well it probably says opponent or something right mm, mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> choose two target players each of them searches their library for a card shuffles it in the library and puts on a, a card on top for a single black mana sorcery yeah and uh, no life loss <laughs> yeah so uh double <laughs> double imperial seal uh yeah pretty pretty busted um so uh also there is the planeswalkers as commanders was tried out as a rule for a while. Um, yeah. The the one thing is Teferi was kind of unanimously decided that that card was too strong. Three uh, fairy, to be clear. Yeah, yeah three fairy. Ta- ta- uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that card is, uh, is absurd. Uh, I, I don't, I think it's the very only not okay in the command that, zone. that Teferi took were the other Teferi decks. Yeah, and um, if you don't believe us, just you have to trust us because this whole episode could be on how miserable that is as a commander. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that was legal for three events. Yeah, right? I think we didn't really pick up on yeah. it the first time around, and then we were like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> uh, yeah. So planeswalkers, commanders. Also, one thing I actually like about this is that there is sideboards. Now, this isn't like the the matches are. They are best of three, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. But there, there's no sideboarding between games, so it's the sideboard is really just a wishboard. Um, so you know, unlike Commander, where you know cards like uh, Burning Wish or whatever don't don't really work, or the Learn mechanic, or you know, lots of lots of things reference you know cards outside of the game, but you need to have like a sideboard for that. So there, there is a wishboard, um, and. Uh, there is there is one thing that you know has kind of been was cropping up the last time we were playing it, which is that uh, Karn, the Great Creator, um, is kind of unhealthy or it's just sort of not okay. It's like yeah, sort of not, like I know you kind of say that like sarcastically, but I genuinely think it was only sort of not okay. Like it, yeah. it kind of the, made the biggest sense. problem it, of it was that every deck had a good stacks piece that was strong against you know other people's artifact ramp and which everyone of course was doing um and then it also just was a one card win condition uh by getting microsoft yeah i wouldn't even necessarily yeah. say like artifact ramp was as prevalent as it is in cdh because there definitely is a card advantage called quality loss with artifact mm-hmm. ramp and yeah so i don't think it was as big of a problem as a stacks piece yeah it, 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 i mean the biggest problem was that it was a decent stacks piece, decent card that you know could you could get utility, you could get a Tormod script, you could get, you know, whatever. Um, but the the big problem is that it is just a one card wind condition in decks um, or colors where you know the wind conditions might have struggled. So you know it was this was Karn was allowed during the three fairy winter. So it was like you know well yeah. well what's the great, best wind condition you can do in in, in Azorius when three fairies your commander? Uh, Karn Micah and Flannis. I, so there there was also another issue with Karn too, um, which was sort of that like it, it it was 
it was not just that Microsynth Lattice was a thing that you, like, were always doing in pretty much every deck because you could just fit a card into every deck. Um, the issue is that also, in order to, like, make the most out of Karn, you sort of wanted, like, a pretty extensive wishboard of just, like, stuff to cover a lot of edge cases. Like, you want, like, a Tormod script in there, you probably want, like, a Pithing Needle in there, whatever. The issue is that you also sort of wanted an LED in there just to be able to turbo out a Lattice. Or, yeah, like, yeah. some relatively expensive artifacts. And the format that we were playing was basically non-proxy. So it was sort of just paid to win or, like, paid to win on edge cases a lot of the time. Where, like, if you couldn't afford an LED, it sucks to be you. You're just not allowed to have one in your wishboard. Even though, like, well, I think that it's not, like, necess the necessary for your strategy. But it is, like, very good yeah, in yeah. specific cases. They allowed five proxies, um, which meant that, like, you could get some stuff but it was definitely like a little bit tricky where like you know you're there, do i want a duel or do i want yeah, to there was have definitely like edge case stuff in my sideboard and duels are definitely way more important in this format than yeah cdh yeah. um and then oh yeah so the, but it, it, was, it was it was less of a sorry it's also notable. yeah I, I i did want to sort of like clarify that like this wasn't a huge issue but it was always just sort of like a feel bad where it's like well i just like don't have the stuff for this sideboard and it's not like i can't make a 99 around it it's just that, like in every deck that i could ever play in this format i'm just missing stuff out of the deck because i can't make a full wishboard this is just annoying especially the five proxies cover your 100 card deck and you've got another 10 cards it's like uh, well, you know, in Staring Bridge, you're gonna have an in Staring Bridge in there, you know, like fifty dollars or whatever the heck it was at the time or what it is now. It's like yeah. yeah, just just a bunch of just a bunch of money for very specific cards that don't, you know, as a CDH player or as a primarily CDH player might not you might not have in your collection because you don't play in Staring Bridge and CDH. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I guess the last fake magic player. last rule, um, and and I guess I guess maybe we'll recap the rules after this is uh no secret discussions so all information or like no code words and so there, there's a bit of like honesty sort of in this kind of system where you're not supposed to have you know a secret code word or talk in pig latin when trying to <laughs> communicate information <laughs> to your opponent uh or talking differently all information um that you're trying to convey to your partner should be uh understandable by everyone at the table um, which I think is a, is a totally fine rule. Um, yeah, I mean, it adds, it adds like a nice amount of sort of like depth, uh, in terms of like in, in two at a giant, a lot of the time it can feel like you're not really playing with two people. Cause you like both take turns at the same time and you can just like, sh just show each other your hands. So it's like, it's, it's not like two people piloting two decks. It's like like one person piloting two decks twice if that makes any sense <laughs> <laughs> so or like yeah like it, it just it, it like you, there's just a lot of and like there, there's appeal for that for like team events and um like regular constructing magic and whatever but it's not really it doesn't really feel like 2v2 a lot of the time Th this rule is sort of to make it like actually feel like 2v2 um where you sort of have to like have this like read on what your partner has so that they can't so they don't have to like say it out loud and give the give up the ghost to the rest of the table but you also sort of have to like think about if you might be wrong 
about that. I mean, especially it's also, it's if your decks are ask, like, should I go off to your partner? <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> that's I was a weird say. question. Yeah. Like, if you're gonna put together a team combo, like you need to kind of have a feel of what how ready your opponent is or your uh, teammate is, and like we'll go over some like synergies and like team combos later. But yeah, so I guess because we we've kind of thrown in and gives some anecdotes and some stories. Let's let's just give a recap of the rules, you know, as as concise as possible. So um the players sit in A B A B configuration. Uh everyone starts with 30 life. The player going first does not draw a card. Um you each player has a commander or partners, but you cannot share any any commanders or like it's not just unique combinations, right? So I can't do Thras Timna, then my opponent doing, or my partner doing Timna Malcolm. There can't be any overlap between uh, your your commanders. Um, scheming sim, it's the regular commander ban list, but scheming symmetry is also banned. Uh, planeswalkers can be commanders except for three fairy. I mean, this was, I guess this was, that was more of an experimental rule, so that's not kind of fundamental to the format. Um, the you're, there is a ten card wish board um and no secret discussion um yeah just one last minor thing there was some discussion about whether mill milling one player would end the game for both players or not and i think that rule got switched a couple times i know that happened definitely before we arrived but anyway yeah just to kind of provide diversity i guess in, in archetypes oh oh actually one thing um the the way how uh I win the game effects happen. Like, like so Thassa's, you know, Thassa's, like, if you, so one player can lose the game in, in your partner combination, right? Um, and the other player is still still around, but, you know, if one player is winning the game, then, you know, your team. Uh, if, if something says, you know, in the game. Yeah, I think actually, uh, yeah. I think initially they actually had it so that um, you had to, like, effects that made a player lose the game actually made the team lose but then they i think they wound up scrapping that uh i, I can't see any like relevant i don't know interactions well it was like should you be able to like suicide pact to protect oh, your partner or yeah like, yeah yeah was like the sort of the, the basis of the discussion but it's it's a lot less of a like an, an ethical issue in 2v2 again because like you're you still have a person alive on your team so it like makes sense to sort of like to throw yourself sacrifice yourself in a dire yeah yeah, yeah. in a dire situation to like still have a chance of winning the match can't really spite either yeah because it's it's at its core it's like closer to a 1v1 format in terms of like just how like politics play out so So. speaking of that, that that's actually a good segue into our kind of discussion which is what differences are there from CDH? You know, I mean, we're a CDH podcast, so you know, people are familiar with CDH. What what are the differences from CDH in terms of like deck construction and how things play out? Re- so sort of spinning off of that, one. yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of spinning off of that, being closer to like one v one in a lot of ways than it is to like true free for all, um, like regular CDH. Uh, there's like it, the interaction starts to take a very different shape. Um, that looks a lot more like what legacy does versus what cdh does cdh is very centralized around um trying to not go 1v1 with an opponent as much as possible because then i mean (laughs) i can't imagine how many times we've had this discussion on this 
episode or this podcast or how much this has been just talked about in general to CDH, but training 1v1 in CDH isn't card advantage because you still have two other opponents. Um, whereas in the 2v2 format, it sort of is. You're, you're getting a fair deal because you're both in the same team. So you trade 1v1 with one of your opponents. Well, you still have your teammate who can trade 1v1 with the other opponent and then you're at parity. So it makes stuff like Thoughtseize and Duress and Inquisition of Kozilek a lot better. And it also makes spot removal a lot better, especially when people are trying to beat you to death <laughs> like some aggro decks do. Um, so basically what it ends up looking like is a lot of the interaction looks a lot more like 1v1 interaction. So you'll see a lot more hand attack, a lot more targeted removal, um, a lot of mana denial. So Wasteland and Strip Mine are actually playable in this format. Oh, I love that. Um, as opposed to CH where like they're fringe playable. I honestly yeah, so love I... like Wasteland and Thoughtseize. Like I, w I it's surprising that I'm even oh, saying yeah. this, but like that's actually refreshing. <laughs> uh, so my, my kind of way i was to say this format is like i this is the format i mean the problem with the format is it's just not popular right like people it's like a, something we <laughs> yeah. play. but like if i was trying to get a legacy player who's like ah you know maybe i played edh once but you know not into it you know people will be like oh you should try cdh and it's like cdh is more i'd imagine is more appealing for legacy players but there is still something that's you know like you're the, the free for all aspect of, yeah. is is a is kind of a big gap um, for some players to make uh, to to bridge. So I, I've I've always said that I think if I could introduce a legacy player to kind of like dip their toes into commander, it would be two v two because you you get to explore what it's like to have a commander and the command the synergies between yours and your partners. But the card sets and the play styles are a lot more familiar. Um, you know, you're like. <laughs> Uh, yeah something like unmask or grief uh that pitches a black card to you know thought sees your opponent is like that is a play that those are playable like you could play those cards uh him yeah. to turok you know we, we mentioned a bunch of others it's too bad 2v2 pods are even harder to launch than cdh pods <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well, anything anything else in, in differences that anyone else wants to touch on or um, I guess I'll, I'll say that, uh, you know, we, we talked about, you know, the viability of like thought season hand attack um, and exchanging uh, one for one and, and how you're, but one, one thing that is kind of important, we talked about this with damage as well, is that when you're both focusing on one player, things become, you're like kicking someone when, when they're down in 2v2 is really effective. Um, like, oh yeah, you know, you could strip mine, you know, the opponent, you know, directly across from you, then your other uh, partner could do the same with the other opponent or you could both strip mine the same player <laughs> and put them back dude. back to the stone age and yeah. then you're playing a true 2v1 because they have no mana to cast their spells or you know you've ripped all the I cards mean, of their hand or something the, the the true class yeah i was about to say the true classic in 2v2 is both people aim him to turak at the same person oh, <laughs> yeah. it's just like uh <laughs> so i'm out of the game well uh, Matt, I see you just added uh, added a note here. When you touch, yeah, um, I think one notable difference is there's a lot of really strong team synergy in lower color pairs, and like not necessarily mm. just partner pairs. So you actually see a lot of viable, like a lot more viable commanders. I think, generally speaking, or like at least, um, kind of those like fringe playable CH commanders that you would love to see get an edge, and then it's like, oh, two v two actually makes them work really well. 
Yeah, especially, I mean, especially just because, like, a lot of commanders get a lot better when you're okay with trading one for one, um, just in general, too. Um, and there are a lot more, like, it opens up more synergies when you add those commanders in that, like, maybe, like, are really good as part of a synergistic pair, um, but aren't good on their own in CDH. Yeah, and, like, yeah. So, some things, some commanders, like, you know, I mean, there's, I think, uh, uh, Josh Mormonator has made a... Uh, I think he, he runs a Kroxa deck in CDH or maintains that list. Oh, yeah, and Kroxa like, gets Kro so much Kroxa better. In, in 2v2, yeah. the ETB discards for each opponent, right? So it's yeah. a two-mana it's a two mana two-for-one in the command zone just right off the bat. Like, it's, it's effectively a mine rot yeah. and um, then, in the command zone, and then you can, like, unearth it. And then and you can, you can like unearth it and use it there, yeah. but even just being a 6-6, six, six, like, damage is very relevant. Um, and, you know, his the ability that, that triggers on attack and then it, the fact that it's resilient, um, because you're, you're never going to, they can't kind of gatekeep you out of casting it um, by like repeatedly countering it or something and, and lock it behind a commander tax and command zone because it just, you just keep unearthing it out of your graveyard for four. So it, it is, it is, you know, low color, strong in, 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 in that kind of respect. There, there's lots of other commanders like that, which is uh, very interesting. Yeah. And like actually resilient commanders, like, like I yeah. see, like Thrasios is quote unquote resilient in CDH because it costs two mana, right? You can just cast again. But like actual commanders with evasion and protection, and escape, you know, Uro is like such a a menace, like actually playable and have real upsides. Yeah, and I mean also like there, there's just there's so many cascading effects with all this stuff too. Um, I sort of wanted to touch on this before we get off this topic, which is like. In in addition, like, or sort of as a semi-direct consequence of hand attack becoming more viable just in terms of um, the card parity and, like, versus CDH, it actually means that, f like, combos become a lot more fragile because in CDH a lot of the time, unless you're, like, just getting spited or whatever by some Gitrog player on turn one, you're not really having your hand attacked ever. Like typically, cards boomer cards feel boomer. Yeah, cards <laughs> cards feel like cards feel pretty safe in your hand. And I mean, like even during Flash Hulk era, like how were people getting cards into people's hands with wheels, not with hand attack? Because like you can actually use wheels for other stuff. So as soon as you introduce hand attack into a format like CDH um, for the combos, like you you might think with this like, oh why are you going to the effort of like trying to kill somebody with combat damage? Like even if it is easy, why don't you just like Oracle consult them with somebody else providing the backup for you? Well, because you could just sort of thought seize a Oracle out of somebody's hand and then suddenly we're in a damage race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, way back in the day when like you know Teferi was even on the roadmap or on the like the map. Um, it's like kind of you kind of play it differently. Like in CDH, you would happily have a chain veil in your hand, you know, sit there laughing to yourself as you collect six counter spells. But in two v two, it's like absolutely you you one hundred percent want to cheat it into play with it like a were. Yeah, um, and I think the other the other thing that like makes makes a lot of the the combo decks worse is um, the like the mana attack. We sort of mentioned a little bit, but yeah. Um, like a, a lot of the you know if you look at like standard four color soup cdh decks uh first of all the rainbow lands start to get like a lot worse uh forbidden orchard like when when combat damage is on the table things like city of brass and mana confluence are a bit worse uh forbidden orchard is a lot worse tarnished citadel is like real real bad 
10 uh, percent of your starting life <laughs> also like you can have a fetch stifled and or get like wastelanded and yeah so, so they're wastelanded or strip mined or whatever so like or strip mined yeah, yeah. so, so <laughs> the there's like one. if you play like the super greedy mana base and it's like oh yeah pretty much every hand will have like perfect mana it's like sure every hand will have perfect mana until like one thing goes wrong and then it's like oh they stifled like the fetch that was gonna find me my only black source like well okay maybe i want my deck to be a little bit more resilient to that um so so it tends to to like give give another avenue to punish people who are playing these like four color soupy combo decks that would sort of be the most direct translation of like quote unquote top tier CDH decks. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got we've got a couple segments left. Um we're going to so I think the next one we're going to cover I think is some of our favorite synergies and decks that that you know we kind of brewed or came across in our time playing um 2v2 then we'll touch on you know some new things that have kind of evolved um and been printed since you know we were really looking at this format a lot more seriously uh and since the pandemic and then um finally we're going to talk about what kind of what the best decks in the format were and, and kind of what we think the best decks in the format are right so uh what are our favorite synergies or decks um that we came across I mentioned this earlier. One of my favorite was the Silas um, Sadar plus Doran. I I I just thought that uh, synergy was really <laughs> cute. But also, um, when you're just dumping out a bunch of stacks effects, uh, you know, which tends to actually be a, a decent strategy. Um, having a three mana five five, and then that also just turns a lot of your stacks effects into really efficient beaters is. Uh, is pretty sweet. I, I enjoyed that deck. Yeah, and the the evasion is yeah. actually really important because there most teams are playing a pretty efficient blockers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was. I, I've only I only had the chance to play that deck once, but um, when we go back to uh, if we get some games, I, I'm gonna look back at those lists and update them with some of the new stuff because there's been there's been new stuff. <laughs> There's been a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. Uh, um. I this is sort of out of order, but I I did want to say, um, as well for this kind of stuff. I didn't I didn't actually ever see this specific pairing get played. Um. Even though there are two things on this list, but I always thought that it would be awesome to play a combination of like Ren and Six plus Croxa, and just play like. <laughs> one is like, like the like hand attack him to Turak like strip mine sinkhole control <laughs> and oh, just wow. like with two commanders that are like hyper chief and then you can both like play like pyroclasms to deal with the aggressive decks and just not care about them <laughs> I would prefer your team would run out of cards so quickly <laughs> that like you would you're, you'd think that their opponents did like a wheel combo on you or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I mean Reed mentioned Renin 6 was uh you know, shout out again to Tom when when we were experimenting or when, when there was experimenting with the uh, commanders, um, planeswalkers commanders. Uh, he had a really sick Ren and Six deck that was basically like turbo strip mine wasteland, and uh, it was just Ren and Six felt <laughs> really impressive when it just pings off all of your dorks 
and then <laughs> and then also just strip mine you mines. every turn. <laughs> oh, it is it is oh. nasty. It is nasty. Um, yeah, but that was a. But it's fair uh, and it's like, interactive and it makes yeah, it's sense. like super yeah. fair. It makes sense card advantage wise to have a deck like that. So you know. Um, and then touch on Matt, this next one. They're, they're, here's I think this one. I think you put this one right. It's like the classic. I put two. Yeah. I, I put both these here. Okay. I mean, they're they're kind of two points, but I guess some point. But yeah, partner with. So, um, if one of your teammates is using a partner with combo, they can target their, um, their other teammate with the partner with trigger to get them to search their library for the the corresponding partner. Um. In particular, uh, Morgan and I ran a uh, a Kenrith's Will and Rowan Kenrith's partner um, combination, which has an additional synergy where with Will um, you can discount a player until your next turn, and because your opponent, um, sorry, because your teammate, you know, takes their turn after yours, um, rather than doing it at the same time, like they'll get the full benefits if you target them, and plus if they start taking turn spells into account, it's like. An actual they storm still runner. get the discount like persists across okay, yeah, all of their turns. Yeah, yeah so can't do that in two HG. <laughs> yeah, that was like playing Kess with turn spells turn costing spells. three mana is it's pretty it's so not okay. Um, and that other partner um, with that we saw, like the Boros um, pair with the dragon, I think that uh, was was they, really yeah, strong uh, just because they took it. They Corvath and Sylvia. Uh, one Which, of them that's, played... that's a crazy thing. They they won they won the event that uh, that month, right? They ran uh... it a couple times. You know what? It's funny because I think that was like their first win. <laughs> yeah. like, finally, like they've been playing together and they finally got their win. So it it's a cool attack. But yeah, that I was I was surprising to be beat down by just dragons. You know? And then yeah, the other one was playing. <laughs> I think it was Krom Ishai. It was it was definitely Jeskai and it was definitely Krom. I don't maybe it was Krom Akiri. I don't remember what the other partner was. I think it was a Kiri. I think it was a Kiri. But yeah, just like getting you play the one that gives double strike, and then your opponent on their turn plays the the thing that actually gets the or sorry, your partner on their turn plays the thing that actually gets the double strike, uh, and then starts beating down rather than like you having to play one and and then play the other. It's also it's also just like starting with ten cards in hand, basically because you get a free yeah. tutor off your. Yeah. Even if, it co- even if they <laughs> cost so six fun. mana, <laughs> like it's still yeah. an extra card. <laughs> well, but keep in mind, Will's minus also discounted Planeswalkers, so the Rowan that I got yeah, the yeah. like, for it was so dumb. What an epic combo! And Rowan, like it just and with turns, like their alts yep. are actually oh, insane yeah. and <laughs> combo with you know moist piece of bread like <laughs> <laughs> yeah like um, with with that deck there were a couple times where i i looked at my hand i was like all right i have Kess in play and like a demonic tutor in hand so if you hit me with this like i can just go off like that's good enough <laughs> one of my favorite strategies was one that you guys kind of uh i saw you the guys were the first ones to, to do it as far as i saw which was uh, Oath of Druids slash Polymorph, where, because because the the deck it's so oppressive. The thing, the thing is 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 in two v two, it's like very creature focused. Where you know you either need to be you're either playing a bunch of creatures to kind of beat down your opponents, or you have to contend with your opponent's you know 
you, you need to be able to answer them doing that so lockers blah, blah. it's like people are are coming with creatures and then all of a sudden uh you know you've got oath of druids and, and uh you know as, as an option it's like oh well it's i can't play creatures anymore because i'm gonna basically instantly lose um and then the polymorph well, synergy yeah, is also just super dope because you can you can be the one to polymorph your partner's stuff um, yeah with some of the into, into their combos yeah so like it, it, i think so you guys played thrasios foul smasher and then tassiger uh with this yeah and it was incredibly annoying because you'd be like, all right, well, we could keep the Tassiger off the table because we can keep a graveyard in check and it's a bit expensive to get it down with that dorks. But then the, the Thrasios player would just play the Thrasios and then the Tassiger player would use their polymorph on the Thrasios. And it's just like, God damn it. Yeah, also also Oath is a lot better when if, if yep. you guys aren't playing creatures, no one who isn't on your team gets to take advantage of it. And also it happens instead of three turns for the table to prepare like collectively between your three opponents there's one turn because your partner gets the trigger yeah <laughs> so it's just like all right i play oath the next opponent has a chance to answer this and then my partner gets a trigger <laughs> and it's probably like a tide spout tyrant so <laughs> yeah yeah and, and and since since you know i mean we haven't talked about but yeah Oh, there's been a lot better, you know, Oath Polymorph targets, I and mean, it's notably uh, Allbreaker Horror printed yeah. since, uh, since you know, Madden and Morgan were employing uh, the strategy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll also speak to... It, I mean, it's kind of a more obvious synergy. Um, one, one of a, a deck combination that I played um, a couple times was uh, Edgar and Edric, where, uh, you know, one obviously player is kind of well so you can build it in a couple different ways the thing with the the way the way um we, we kind of built it was that edgar was basically the one kind of just going turbo aggro and aggro, he was just, just trying to take out one player as fast play. as possible and edric was playing hard control <laughs> <laughs> so Ed edric was so, playing yeah. like all the, the good like mana dorks to obviously you know for ramp and then a couple of really good like evasive creatures, um, you know that he could that play at instant speed, um, you know, or or did, did something decent, but like not just you know all the standard unblockable stuff that you're you've come to expect from like Edric turns. Uh, it was very much just I'm gonna get out Edric and the Edric player is gonna or so I'm gonna yeah, get out Edric and the Edgar player is gonna draw you know ten cards. And the Edric deck and is a like, bunch of them are going to be like one CMZ vampires that you can just dump right back and out. Hyper efficient <laughs> like interaction, you know, like it was running Uba Mask and and that sort of thing to try and you know just get the most out of your mana and, and take advantage of the cards. Well, the one thing that was actually kind of when you say Uba about, Mask, uh, you mean unmask, right? <laughs> unmask, yeah, unmask. Uba Mask seems <laughs> like <laughs> a very very yes, yeah, no, no, no. I, I meant unmask, but. Uh, one one thing that uh, was was kind of useful about this combination of partners, um, we'd mentioned that there was no proxies or there was only five proxies allowed. Um, so what would often happen is, you know, it would be <laughs> one person who has a, a a lesser a bit of a less lesser collection partnered with someone who has a, a better collection, or at least that was something that happened semi frequently. Um, and so if you were doing Edgar Edric, you the the player with the you know more extensive collection can supply the duels and staples without there being any overlap because of they don't share any colors 
so yeah, it's like you only need one it's force of will very to important. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, and and uh, we'll, we'll we'll touch again on on those commanders later. But uh, anything we actually else? did have. Yeah. Uh, one time, I I forget who was playing it. Anyway, um, there was actually we played against a deck uh, at one point that was Derevi and Edric, as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. which was also just like backbreakingly strong yeah. when they got online because you just like you basically the <laughs> it's sort of funny because like Edric almost always actually uses the draw worse than its partner mm -hmm. in pretty much any pairing with Edric, so you almost always end up with like Edric being like a hard control deck, but. Drevi with an Edric in play is just incredibly <laughs> dumb. That's exactly what, what Drevi means, you know. <laughs> because it's because you're just like, yeah, like you're playing Edric, except you also have white, and you just untap all of your mana whenever you hit. <laughs> so it's you just you're just doing like all this incredibly dumb stuff. Yeah. Any any other standout synergies or decks um, for you guys? I know Matt and Morgan, you guys played the the many more games than myself or Reed. There, there were some interesting ones with uh, with commanders as partners. Uh, we saw um, a few different things that tried to make uh, Narset plus like Teferi's Puzzle Box work. Uh, Arkham, like we played against Narset Arkham, um, where like it had some more standard Arkham stuff, but also if you didn't have like sort of the setup you needed for uh, for those combos, you could just get a Puzzle Box and then have your partners slam their narset um uh people also did something similar with uh with tezzeret um so there was some interesting stuff there um i'm trying to remember uh what else we we saw that was uh najila edric is a yeah yeah najila edric is, is a common one like najila is just kind of five color tempo and then edric is just a bunch of <laughs> just did a, someone well, take thalia in the command uh, zone, I feel like I saw uh, some. There were uh, people played people played Grand Arbiter a bunch. Um, Lots of Grand yeah. Arbiter, yeah. That was God. That's annoying. Which is uh, <laughs> funnily enough, the original rules uh, actually had. Uh, s well, first they didn't allow. They did allow having the same partner, and then everyone decided that playing against double Grand Arbiter was not fun, and they didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so then they're like, okay, you can't have the same commander as your partner. Um, and then it sounds like the what happened was the next time uh, one team showed up with uh, Grand Arbiter and Sakashima, like old Sakashima. <laughs> so they wound Turns up banning Sakashima Grand as a partner. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which we 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 this the Sakashima ban is kind of like not not. It, it's not something that we would consider core to the rule set. It's yeah. not so, a devastating yeah, I, I, in loss. fact, would not want Sakashima banned because it's like no one... It's not even... Yeah. If you want to play mono blue uh, to, to get a copy of your opponent's... Of your, of your partner's commander, then, you know, so be it. It's kind of the spirit of the format ban, which, which I appreciate. Because, um, yeah. <laughs> like, like, obvious, you know, boring combos aren't really what people were bringing. Or at least that was, like, the rule zero social contract that unsaid social contract like the intention was to try out you know cool things so next i think it, it would be nice to talk about some of the new stuff that we've seen get printed uh for 2v2 so every time a new set comes out this is this is why i like having if you if you're only a cdh player 
um, you know, or even more restrictive. If you only play a single deck, and let's say let's, we can use Gitrog as an example. Um, if you only play Gitrog, you look at Neon Dynasty and you're like, cool, there's one new card for my deck, which is Seiju. Like, that's it. And is that, to me, it, it takes some of the fun out of um, new new sets because, you know, I like to get excited about a bunch of cards. Um, so if you have multiple decks, well, now you can get excited when, when you know, there's something printed for Gitrog, but then also, you know, something more niche maybe printed for um, Yuriko, or I mean, this was a pretty good set for Yuriko overall anyway. Uh, but then you can, beyond that, more formats if you're playing popper you can get excited about commons or, or you know kind of keep extrapolating with this um have you guys been keeping your because i know you know it kind of used to be that a new set would come out and you'd look and be like oh, this is gonna be good for 2v2 have you guys been doing that much um since we stopped playing and new sets have been coming out i definitely haven't Honestly. been as like uh tuned into it uh, I definitely been a was for like a while, cool, but... but then it just, you know, we... it's, I hate to say it, but you know, the lockdown never ended, so I feel like just that mindset slowly drifted, but mm. obviously, I mean, like, you can tell, like, we're ready to get back into this format. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Dude, Hanana I, could be pretty cool. I've, I've, yeah. I, so not maybe with the most recent set, uh, with Neon Dynasty, I haven't looked at too much for, um, like, Neon Dynasty the core set or the commanders uh the, the commander product for um 2v2 but you know before that i was kind of keeping my eye on stuff for 2v2 and doing some searches and being like yeah i'm gonna set these aside in a separate folder for stuff to kind of track um we, we can talk about some good ones uh and, and the, the stuff that i was kind of looking at was tended to be like efficient beaters because you know Baseju is going to be a staple of the format you know like things that are staples are going to be staples uh we have here that Dranith magistrate was basically printed right at the start of of lockdown and so that was kind of like 2v2 stopped being a thing then but i mean we, we did play the, our tournament with Dranith, but we didn't get a ton of Dranith experience um we were discussing a bit pre-show whether or not we'd even like we'd be considered banning Dranith. i mean i think the conclusion was that we'd want to get in some uh games with it first some but, testing with yeah, it yeah yeah Dranith is, you know, extremely potent in uh in two v two. Like removal um, and ed yeah. edix though are just so prevalent. But I, I, I was mostly looking at like beaters and stuff because that's kind of what I was into. So, are you guys familiar with the card Chaos Dragon? No, uh, that sounds like a combination of two words that could be found on a magic card. Yeah, sure. This is from like Forgotten Realms card, Commander. Though. It does. Yeah, it really like does, right? <laughs> <laughs> Chaos, you just throw an Emperor Dragon Envoy of the Enemy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Go CD. Yeah. Uh, so, this is from Forgotten Realms Commander. For one double red, it's a 4-4 with flying and haste. Uh, Chaos Dragon attacks each combat if able. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, each player rolls a d20. If one or more opponents had the highest result, Chaos Dragon can't attack those players or planeswalkers they control this combat. Um... Yeah, so fake downside doesn't matter when you have two opponents. Because uh, they obviously printed this so that you can't just have a three-mana 4-4 four, four flying haste in 1v1, like in Legacy or something. Um, but this... And, and then in, uh, in you know, four-player free-for-all, you know, it it's a bit... It can be a bit awkward, but it's, like, less awkward. But in, in 2v2, it is just... Uh, yeah. Three-mana 4-4 four, four flying haste 
uh, with basically no downside. Well, I, uh, okay, I will say that like there is still a downside in that because you can't necessarily focus on the yeah, one player. Yeah, one of but... the strengths of of combat damage based decks is that you you focus down one opponent, um, and this does potentially get in the way of that. That being said, it's still only a one in four to like get locked out of attacking the opponent that you want to. Yeah, that's fair. Is what yeah, and then also the I think if you do get if you do miss one of your the opponent you're trying to focus on. Um, it is probably going to be made up for for the by the fact that it is a four four flying haste. Um, like you, the the damage over time will probably you know even factoring in a turn of missing will probably be you know higher or comparable at least to other uh, uh, efficient beaters hmm. in the format. So actually, I'm getting dist- I'm getting distracted here. But did anybody actually ever end up playing a Tarmogoyf deck? Oh, I've I played like Tarmogoyf I... in a few of my decks. Oh, I, I guess wait. That deck. Oh, we. Wait, wait, no, 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 I remember now. I think I, I think it might have been put an Edgar Edric. in a deck, but I couldn't. Wait, did I? Wait, Morgan, do we have Tarmogoyf and Verals? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, that I deck was weird. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, I mean, now, now talk, talking about efficient beaters, Reed. You know, throw back to uh, our our top secret spicy tech in the uh, Edric deck. Uh, hidden gibbons oh god yeah <laughs> good old <laughs> hidden gibbons uh it's so efficient it's so efficient it's uh, a one mana four four yeah, so for, for those who don't know hidden gibbons is a green enchantment for a single green mana whenever one opponent whenever one of your opponents successfully casts an instant uh, if Hidden Gibbons is an enchantment, Hidden Gibbons becomes a 4-4 creature that counts as an 8. <laughs> it's, it's so efficient. <laughs> Wait, it doesn't say end of turn? Nope. No, no, it just permanently becomes a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah uh, hidden the, the, hidden, the Hidden and Opalescent Cycle are all great. Um, oh yeah, they're, well, they're one vertical, I brought up right? uh, pre-show yeah. is uh, Brina. So this is a card I think that was printed in uh Strixhaven Commander. Um Brina the Demagogue for this and this card is insane in 2v2, by the way. It's unreal. Uh for one uh white and a black, Brina is a legendary creature flying one three that reads whenever a player attacks one of your opponents, if that opponent has more life than another of your opponents, the attacking player draws a card and you put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control. <laughs> it's just Not so bad. good. Not so bad. it's a card drawn engine like, for you Taylor and your partner, for... and then also yeah. it becomes an insane beater. Like, it grows by four power per turn cycle. Unreal. Unreal. It, it doesn't even have to grow itself. You can just grow, like, another huge beater that somebody has yeah, out or something that, like, synergizes it. So it, it's got, it, it, it basically has haste for two, right? Because you play it, and then you attack an op- you attack one of your opponents, and then you're immediately triggering it and getting, you can put two counters on a creature you control. So you can do it on the, the creature that's attacking. Um, so I think we can surmise this going into Edgar, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally going like... into Doran Silas, too. I mean, it's a 1-3, so, I mean, oh it gets God. even better. Primary uh, target. Star, yeah. um, That's awesome. Except except if you pump stuff with it, if you pump stuff above 2 power, it becomes blockable. Yeah, but you can just pump itself because it's got evasion. <laughs> 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 or you can just put it on, like, Doran, and Doran still connects for 7. Um yeah. So, and, you know, speaking of of Edgar uh, and sets that that were uh, printed 
since the pandemic started. Well, we got uh, Return to Innistrad, uh, Crimson Vow, and Midnight Hunt. Uh, Hell of Vampires printed in those sets, and some really, really strong ones, too. Uh, yeah, so so I definitely need to go back and update my uh, my Edgar deck. Um, what about you guys? Any any notable cards for you guys? Yeah, I've got I've got some boring ones, but uh, Jessica's Will and Jeweled Lotus for the the Kenrith deck. Like mm, it's surprisingly, true. we didn't play this format when those cards were legal. Like it's been that long. Wow. Um, just like cards you can't typically power out because. Uh, you know, you'd have to put rituals in your deck, but now you can get these like actually really good rituals that you know have other modes. It's, uh, it's nice. Ooh, Ragavan. Ragavan was printed since then too. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, nice. fierce guardianship, deflecting SWAT, and deadly oh, Rollick yeah. were all yeah, printed yeah, since yeah. then. Yeah. Rollick is Rollick actually is insane. insane. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of decks that want those. My my uh I was I was going to, I was opening one of my uh DV2 decks and my my Ed, my Edgar deck has a hundred and ten card maybe board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that sounds like a Linden brew. Yeah. I was also I was also actually sort of thinking that um Hinata could be actually pretty great in two v two as well. Yes, I said um, that. Yeah. You, you oh wait, that, did you? Yeah. Oh I yeah. totally missed it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely mitigates the downside of making it hard to interact with stuff, and then yeah, instead of having like a few combo pieces that your opponents have to counter, you just have like fifteen different like absolutely back bait breaking <laughs> removal spells that wipes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, oh, just this by force. I... Whoopsie. <laughs> what about? There's also um Ishin, uh, the double two heavens is one the double combat which is the Maru who doubles up combat triggers there dude there are some pretty nuts combat triggers i mean like doubling up on your ally on your yeah. partner's najila triggers seems mm -hmm. like pretty nuts I, I Wait, does that orzov creature trigger on attack or on connect i forget the one you mentioned earlier. it's whenever a creature attacking causes a trigger or ability of a permanent you can no no trigger. no no the uh, uh brina triggers on attack breeder, oh sorry breeder, yeah, so. yeah yeah nice yeah so you get doubles you get double on there breeder. You also um, <laughs> you'd also play it with uh, um, what's it called? Um, you could play Ishin and Godo as a combination <laughs> of two cards. Just just play Godo beat down, and you so you'd slam Godo with Ishin and play. Godo and gets Godo attacks and <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. no, Godo Godo gets um, grafted exoskeleton. What? Oh yeah, and then you take double com or triple combats on your attack. It, I think, <laughs> legitimately, I think having to equip exoskeleton, like, is it really? Is Ember, it really doesn't that much better to than an attacking creature? No, it ETBs and attaches to a creature. Oh my god! Even just Nagila. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I think I mean, Ishin... exoskeleton has to be better though. Like go to It doesn't give trample. Does the exoskeleton give, give trample? I don't think no. so, right? No, but it just it's a Ember one shot. Good. Like if if you can get through, they just die. Two combats times five infect is is dead opponent. <laughs> that is that is true. Good math. That is true. Um yeah. Uh so I was looking 
You, you know, uh, Extus slash Awaken the Blood Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. That that could be an interesting brew, where you're you're getting the uh, the double edict, um, and then it is just hyper aggressive, um, and is in decent colors. Yeah, Extus is just good value in this in this format, like just mm -hmm. itself, like fun fun base. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good a lot of good like aggressive creatures. Like this is the one thing is I think, um, the what one thing that I've kind of noticed since since I was paying attention to it was that. There's been so many new, strong, aggressive threats at like low CMC. Like Adeline is is insane. Um, there's I don't think it's new, but I was looking at actually no, this is somewhat new. Uh, familiar with Agitator Ant? And this one this one is as insane as the others, but I mean this was just a new card that that I saw that's like. At the beginning of your end step, each player may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control, then goad each creature that has counters put on it this way. So I mean, like you can grow if you're if you're the beatdown, then you know it's it's uh, for three mana. You're every turn you're putting four four power to play between you and your uh, your partner. Um, yeah, there's just there's just a lot of stuff that I'm really interested in uh, kind of uh, getting back to and exploring. Um, also, yeah, new, new commanders as well. Uh, Winota. Um, we never really oh, played Winota, with Winota. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a bad one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 one is uh very efficient at cl closing out the game when it's <laughs> one player at thirty. Does yeah. yeah, but I think you, you would. It's like you would even just go. You would scrap the combo completely, right? Like you, you would actually. Oh just yeah, go 100%. 100%. you just yeah. go. I'm actually like damage, not yeah. even sure the Giga how... token. Like how much producers. how good i think that would be because i think like winota and cdh gets a massive boost from dies to removal yeah it already died it dies to removal and it's just that like people aren't playing removal but but yeah. i mean if the rest of your deck is just stacks and things to to kind of disrupt your opponents and you're just beating Th down the no creatures you have you anyway it's not bad there's no way you play stacks in that Winota variant. It's 100% like the other yeah, person you at your on your team is doing all the no, interacting you're playing, for you're playing you, Valia, and you're just playing you're Turbo playing Combat. Rule of Law, Cre you're playing yeah. like the Eidolons. Yeah, for I sure. I mean, probably light on it. I feel like you would replace some stack pieces with no, Lightning I, Greaves. I feel like it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just a bunch of, like, it's just a bunch of, like, really, really fat humans and a bunch of, like, cheap creatures. And then, like, you certainly start cutting down on the stack slots. I also think that uh, Rule of Laws are, like, a lot worse in 2v2 because, yeah. th like, you could still quasi double spell or at least like protect something um, well it's I, yeah, I think it's more yeah. about shutting off your opponent's ability to win a lot, a lot of decks you know they, they still if, if you're if you're kind of making yourself the beat down um and you're like my i'm i mean winota is not going to lose to like other creature decks really or at least it shouldn't um so could, then, then you saying. just so long as your opponents aren't winning you kind of have a lot of inevitability, right? So we just play all of the free creatures in the game. So all of the... Uh, kobolds and all that. <laughs> all the kobolds, all that stuff. And then you play Winota Edric. And then Winota connects, draws a bunch of free creatures, dumps them all into play, and then keeps going. I can see Winota being not so great because you can't necessarily be proactive with mana denial. Like, you, like Wastelands and Strip Mines are like yeah. such a big problem. For that, that's the big Winota one. Too. Well, to me, Winota would be very similar to like the Sylvia Corvat deck, where it's like, like the thing is, our our kind of experience with Winota and CDH is very much that 
well, you're going to build heavily around Winota, right? Um, whereas the Sylvia Corvath deck was very much, you know, my commanders are good beat sticks, and then the rest of my deck is like stacks and beats um, to make it hard for my opponents to win while also keeping pressure up. I think Winota is very similar, where it's like if you're just running a bunch of kobolds, then your deck is kind of crap. But if you're running more kind of like just hate bears and, and kind of stacks, then you know you can try and resolve your Winota, and then if that doesn't happen, well, you're still keeping pressure up. Like that's that's how I would look at building Winota. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's no games going on to see what the what a true Winota deck looks like. Yeah. So unless one of you out there. One of our listeners goes and builds it. Um, hey, I, 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 you know what? I'm going to put it out there right now. If you're a listener listening to this, and God bless you, you're probably one of the ten that's going to be getting this far. <laughs> um, if if you wanna, if you want us to potentially run some two v two events and get some interest going, just let us know. I, mean, I, I'm sure, I'm sure we can spend some time to put together a uh, a online two v two event. How hard if, could uh, it people be are interested just to organize a tournament? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so not even tournaments just like yeah, yeah. like a, monthly a day play sessions on a weekend yeah. or something like that and just have people hop in on the server and play it our last segment um before we close out the main topic is what are the best pairs in the format right now and this is obviously us having not played in a hot minute for so this like is two be, years yeah this is going to be what do we remember the best decks being kind of what would we theorize the best deck so Last in the tournament we held, and this was you know we we had some friends uh, participate in two v two for the kind of the first time, and they're like, oh, what should we build? Um, and the advice they were given was basically play two four color decks, and the the, the, the Thrasios Vile Smasher Tim Necrom, good stuff piles with Thoracle Wind Condition. Um, this was uh, successful. I, I think I think people had played. Like, like th this kind of strategy was um, something that wasn't necessarily new, kind of just like good stuff piles with good commanders. Uh, like partners already in 2v2 are basically cheating because you're starting with an extra card in hand. Um, like we, we, we joke about that in CDH, but um, in, in, in 2v2, 2v2 it, it, really matters. it really matters. When like the body of something can matter or like Vile Smasher, his text is like actually very real. For, for, her yeah. text, thank you. Uh, her text, sorry. Goblin Liddy. Um, their text guys but and uh also just being having like the bodies coming down really early is often yeah and, and the fact that like too. You, the, they don't share commander tags so like you know you can play your the, the body early and then it gets removed and it's like well here's my second one and that can, it's like you just get so much value out of that um so yeah playing uh thrash vile i mean vile's already pretty aggressive at uh uh, closing the game and then Tim the Krom. Krom is another like very aggressive threat. So like you've got pressure in the command zone, uh good card advantage in the command zone, um partners, and then you're also in four color and you get to play uh one of the better win conditions and just some really strong uh grindy cards. Okay, so I have <laughs> I I have uh just an idea that I want to put out there um before we can move too far away from Vile Smasher here. You play Vile Smasher on one side, Hinata on the other side, and then a bunch of donates and steal effects so that you can give the Vile Smasher to the Hinata player, or like the other way around, 
and you just cast massive X spells and dome somebody for like 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, mm. well, uh, let's see how that works out for you. For you. Uh, <laughs> so you have to have a creature stick around, right? And then you also need to. Yeah, exactly. It needs to be a legal target when you cast your donate, and it needs to uh, be a play on your opponent's turn. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, we, we kind of have. So I guess I guess one of the other tried and tested kind of best decks in the format is just going to be cast plus whatever you want to pair. I mean that that's just the classic, right? I mean I I feel like I don't know. I feel like I played a lot of this with Morgan and uh, and Tom, but it just feels like cast is just such a great addition to any other partner. Yeah, it, it feels a little bit like you're playing. Like, you're playing uh, sort of like a almost like a Death Shadow deck where you just have like cheap removal counter spells and hand attack, and then like instead of playing the Death Shadow and going on the beatdown, you then just like play Kess and do it all over again. Um, <laughs> yep, I'll him to Teraku on turn two, and then like three turns later, oh I'll do God. it again. Uh, yeah. And then and then like you just leave your partner free to do, you know, whatever it is. Uh, whatever it is they want to do, and you can often just by like hand attacking and and like having cheap counter spells just shut off your opponent's ability to interact meaningfully uh, pretty early on. Uh, and we touched we touched on this deck earlier, like the Oath of Druid slash Polymorph deck. Um, we didn't. I don't. How much? How many times did you guys take that that combination? At least two, two. or three. Yeah. I think we took it to two and then played it in the online one. Okay. Once. I, I, oh, because the first time yeah. we played Oath, we didn't take the... We didn't win the day, I think. We came second or something, and then... But it was pretty clear the deck was dominating, and then I think we took it another time to just get the win. Oh, right, because I, like, messed up, and I, like, did... I remember didn't we, it came down to like playing I think, against you guys and like I feel like we milled one of you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like didn't put in Memories Journey or, or something. Yeah, that was it. That was um, it. Yeah. And then wound up like oathing myself and was like, wait. <laughs> or I oathed myself down to <laughs> no, like no, no, I myself down to like five no, no. cards and then Yeah, it, 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 yeah it, it wasn't even that you like wanted to mill your deck and like restack with Mem Dirty. It was that like the poly the the Tide Spirit Tower was in the last like five cards. Oh yeah. That was just it was yeah. just the most unlucky day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that that combination or that strategy incredibly strong. And then I, I added like Especially with the new Tide Spout and oh, like, yeah. Poly, yeah, like the Kraken together. Yeah. Um just yeah, super efficient, super efficient wins, good synergies with your partner. Um, get to play anti creature, like yeah, just just all around great strategy. And then I added Winota plus X because I think Winota could be quite strong, but I guess it is very much a question mark. Um, I, I think I think there are thing to pair it with. there are lots of decks and pairings that will Winota will just absolutely face roll. Um, but yeah. I think there are also decks that will just kind of stonewall her like decks with a yeah, lot like, of I, removal I think... and like cards like deluge like anyone playing anti-creature strategies is is gonna give you you're gonna have a bad time i mean you don't even oh, have yeah, to be like I was a say, primary like... anti-creature strategy like even if you're like tertiary strategy is to just have 
15 removal spells in your deck, like, Winota's going to have a hard time. Well, I, I, the, I was yeah. going to say, like, I, I feel like the perfect example of this is just if somebody was just playing the red and six crooks of pairing, you're just like, uh, turn two, ping off your dork. Crooks just starts discarding your hand, removing your stuff. You just, like, start wastelanding yeah. the Winota player. They can't do anything. You can, like, get two Winota triggers. Maybe that's enough, but I don't know. That seems, like, so hard to do. No. I also think that, like, in in the best of three matches, uh, the, like, the whiff chance starts to, like, come up and, and be something that, like, mm, makes that me true, a yeah. little uncomfortable over, over the course of, like, say, like, the first... The first two Winota triggers in each of, like, three games, it feels like there's a decent chance that one of them you're just gonna find basically nothing. Or, like, no, nothing no. immediately relevant. No, dude, the whiff chance is way down. Like, you get to play all the great combat base creatures that you don't get to play in CDH, which is, which is like, probably a hundred potential new cards you can look at. But I think they're also, like, they're much harder to to like just put in your deck because you you just aren't gonna have the same kind of mana right like like, like the, the way the way i envision winota I is is kind of what, what i was talking which is it is just boros like aggressive creatures and then if you stick winota you win like like you're not you're not doing the memnite ornithopter thing or at least I mean, but the issue is that you still have to like you still have to have a composition of the deck that works to make Winota win when you cast her, right? Is the thing. You don't I mean you don't even have to I mean it's like just an aggre it's it's an aggressive way to draw cards and cheat them into like it's you don't it doesn't need to win on the spot necessarily. Like getting Winota triggers is winning, right? I think the bar is really sure. like if you, if you I, just I, put an Adeline off of Winota like that that feels yeah but I, but i like what i'm saying i think what morgan was getting at too is that like the whiff chance is still very real and like as soon as you start cutting down on the specific synergy cards like the whiff chance actually gets worse right or like there's the chance of you having non-humans in play to get those triggers gets worse uh, yeah, i i don't think i necessarily agree with that I, I i think to kind of what matt was saying is like there is just efficient beaters in boros that you wouldn't play in in uh four player free for all that you would play because they beat you know one player down pretty aggressive yeah mm -hmm. um, yeah they have yeah. more than three toughness they come down and make tokens like they kind of solve a lot of problems at once cool so i think that wraps it up for our main topic for the show so if you know any listeners want to reach out with questions about 2v2 or this has sparked interest and you got one you want to try it out with your friends or something um and you have any questions reach out to us we're we're more than happy to answer them and report back if you if you try 2v2 um uh, we'd love to hear uh how, how the experience went um if you got brews or ideas yeah just want to chat 2v2 at all uh definitely pop on into the discord and uh and say something because uh they're definitely down to talk about this uh and also if anyone wants to try it out for their playgroup and they don't want to have to brew from scratch completely i mean i think i think one thing is like you know once you're familiar with the format brewing is kind of one of the more enjoyable aspects uh it's a really fun format to brew in but um that can be a bit of a barrier to entry when um you know maybe one pairing has uh kind of figured out you know how to how to build and optimize for this format more than another and then you know you guys go to play and then one team just gets completely rolled and then you know that might not be fun. 
So if you guys want to uh, try it out with your local play group, um, you can reach out to us and, and we can provide you guys with some kind of like pre-built decks. I mean, they're, they're maybe not, uh, I don't think any of us have like a up to date with like all the current cards and kind of optimized, but we can at least, you know, provide you yeah, with uh, like base stuff, the, the base stuff that, that, you know, what was like a refined deck two years ago, or even like, you know, with, with some of the new cards that we kind of given, we just know are probably going to go in there with like set of first glance thing. So yeah. Um, that's that, uh, which means it is time for everyone's favorite segment. Gut check. Gut, Gut check. check. Gut check. Woo. You did it. This week's gut check brought to you by Matt. Mr. Null himself. What do you got for us? Um, all right. So if you could heist or insert an ethical means of obtaining something, one piece of magic history, what would it be? Ooh. What's the most money I no, can okay, make besides val- besides value. <laughs> you they're can't all sell pr- it. They're all priceless, okay? They're all priceless. Yeah, you can't sell it. And I, I intentionally put no thought into this, so I, I have to I have to think about it. Uh-huh. And like this could just Oh, I th- I think I got one. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah, I I I have one as well. Yeah, I've got I've got one. I'm not I'll, I'll give all I can Matt, are you good? That's still I'm still working on it. Okay, okay. Then I'll I'll kind of monologue a bit. So I'm not particularly interested or like care too much about owning a piece of magic history like you know i wouldn't go out of my way to kind of acquire something like that um but if i could just like pick one and have it and i think like you know i original black lotus art like the original yeah the most iconic magic card um the original art of that like that that would just be that'd be pretty freaking cool like that i don't think there's a, a piece like if you have that i don't think there's any bigger like i mean the only bigger flex is like a bigger collection of stuff like that is the i think maybe the most single impressive piece of, of magic history you could have. yeah truly iconic truly iconic morgan reed uh matt are I... you still thinking or I got one, but okay. I guess I should say it before I... someone steals it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. That's the meta, man. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think my answer would probably have to be um, one of the alpha playtest cards. Um, so there was, before, before Magic, actually went into print before alpha went into print um there were like richard garfield conducted basically like a this whole set of play tests with a bunch of different people and a bunch of different like updates and revisions between um different like pre-versions of magic uh before it actually got finalized and sent out to print um and the alpha play test cards it's sort of confusingly named but um there are alpha, beta, and gamma playtest cards, and the original alpha playtest cards were basically like the first magic cards ever conceived, and were 
basically Richard Garfield writing, like, handwriting cards on pieces of yellow cardstock to play test with a couple of people. So I think owning one of those would just be, like, absolutely the holy grail for oh, me. For sure. Yeah. Morgan? Uh, I have, <laughs> I guess, I, I had one that was, like, kind of went in a different direction. So that one was um, the specific copy of Cruel Ultimatum that Gabriel Nassif called and then ripped off the top. <laughs> oh, um, dude. Oh, yeah. But, That's awesome. But if it's, if it's like, something a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, um, like, Gregory not a, no, no, not like a specific person's <laughs> copy of a card. Uh, one of the pristine talismans with the, uh, with the, um, Mirrodin Pure set symbol. I'm not familiar with what's yeah, the deal. So, so Mir- uh, in Scars of Mirrodin block, at the start, they were like, basically, they told the player base that they hadn't decided if the third set was going to be New Phyrexia, where the Phyrexians won, or Mirrodin Pure, where the Mirrens had won and driven the Phyrexians off. Um, and so they, like, at one of the game days, they previewed the card Pristine Talisman with the Mirrodin Pure set symbol on it, but the set like was always going never. to be new Phyrexia, so it's like a set that never existed. Wow, you're such a so nerd. did they actually print phys- physical cards with that, or was that? I don't. I don't actually know if there are. Uh, I I don't know if there were physical copies, but they like previewed it as a card. Okay. Meh. Dude, well, I literally have Morgan's joke take, which is Gabriel Nassif's Ignite Memories. Because <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> but, nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I guess, hold Wait, on. Wait, it was so... Patrick Chapin's Ignite Memories, though. Or Patrick Chapin's Ignite Memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the unluckiest. No, no, it's... Wait, what? Wait, what? Oh. Gabriel Nassif got targeted with Ignite Memories and was like dead whatever the I remember doing the math it was like he was dead 232 out of or 232 out of like 243 times or something and and didn't die oh my god any of those like iconic televised yeah like early televised moments are just so so cool Okay, so we that's pretty much it for gut check. And we don't have a listener question um prepared for, for this week because we, we kind of figured that we'd uh we might we might go a bit long, so but we can't end the episode yet. I just need to direct everyone's or not not you know, listeners, but all the podcast hosts attention to the bottom right hand corner of their PC screen. Yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to this live yeah. <laughs> Look at it. it is it is ten sixteen p.m., which means we are uh six minutes away from ending the podcast on twenty two twenty two in twenty four hour time. So we have to stall. For we have to come five up minutes with ideas. But what do you mean? Well, that I mean, happens okay, so every I, day. I would I would certainly say though, like if if. I had to choose a specific card 
along the lines of uh, Morgan's and Matt's picks there, um, it would probably have to be the Craig Jones Lightning Helix. What if you could just have like one player's deck? Like you, 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 you take their entire seventy-five or whatever. Like you get to take it from any any iconic Magic player or you know whatever in in history. Oh, what one hundred percent. It would it would be the deck. What's the deck? Don't. Oh my god. No. Wait, Matt Morgan, please tell yeah, me that you know. I what know the what the deck, deck is. is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Good. It's the. It is like the OG original uh, control deck. It okay. is it is a control deck whose only win conditions were two Sarahs two Sarah Angels. <laughs> it's Brian Weissman's the deck. <laughs> wasn't there wasn't there a format where like people's win condition in control was just mill because they ran like elixir of immortalities? Oh, that that's yeah, actually that was, that's, that's, that's my standard. That was the later no, win. I know I, I imagine it's way later, but like yeah. that that is like peak fucking no win. But yeah, so yeah. so Brian Weissman's here. I'll I'll read off I'll read off the deck and you'll understand just how formative it is because this is like the first three time minutes and I'm, really if, you, if it's going too long I'm going to cut you off Great, and then start wrapping up it's, the show. Sarah Angel, Time Walk, Time Twister, Brain Geyser, Recall, Demonic Tutor, Mind Twist, Regrowth, 4 Mana Drain, 2 Counterspell, 1 Ancestral Recall, 4 Disenchant, 4 Swords to Plowshares, 2 Main Deck Rebs, 2 Destructing <laughs> Scepter, a Jam Day Tome, 1 Ivory Tower, Full Set of Mocks and Black Lotus Soul Ring, 2 Moat in the Main, 2 Strip Mine, Library of Alexandria, 3 City of Brass, a Plateau in Underground Sea, 2 Volcanic Island, Four Tundra, three planes, four island. It is the archetypical control deck. It is like the, the, by you, you far said one four of the greatest decks of all right? time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So or, I mean, no, 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 no. Sorry. No, 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 all those were one ofs. One oh, regrowth, one of four sorcery, mana. Yeah. What well, yeah. one regrowth? So then there's one regrowth, one recall as ways to recur your yeah. your threats. I mean, four threats probably good enough, man. That's that's dope. For me, man, I don't know. It, well, you you also play Time Twister, but yeah, continue. Yeah. Oh, that's that's true. Um, for me, dude, my it's I I simp for him. I've been sipping for him for the past you know however many episodes. Uh, it'd be Gregory Hatch's Mono Blue Martyr deck. Dude, that deck is that video is like, <laughs> the one that he brought to the. I think that's the one, that's the first video that I saw. Uh, dude, I'll take every every chance I can to bring it up. Like that was the first Magic video that I I watched. And I was like, whoa, this is awesome. So yeah, I mean, that's 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 it for me. I think this might like we've brought up that deck like probably three episodes in a row now. I swear. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll do Maybe it. I'm dreaming, okay. but no, no, no. I think I think last time we brought up um, the artificer's intuition, the, the surfing, the artificer's intuition deck. Yeah, the the one where you oh, yeah. you have to yeah, surf yeah, yeah. with the craw the <laughs> the salvage titans, and sometimes it's just a craw worm, and that's good enough in legacy. Yes. Um. Okay, we've got a minute left before I'm going to start closing out the show, so we ended exactly on time. Someone say something. 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 Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, this is this is when people really get to hear what the pre-show is like. Yeah, this is... This... <laughs> Does anyone have any idea fighting. we can talk about? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, now you guys know how committed we are to this... <laughs> Why are you now, listening at this now you know exactly how committed Lyndon is to I am committed to this meme yeah I mean it. I called it earlier in the show I'm like we're going to end this show at exactly 1022 and at that point it was very much a meme because I was like there's no end and 
as we were approaching, I was like, oh man, we're there. Well, <laughs> that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at Into the North Pod, via our email, into the North Podcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we are at patreon.com slash podcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link, so anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, you use our affiliate link, which is in the podcast slash YouTube description. A portion of your purchase goes, goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank, 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 thank. thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music. And it's lover for an equally lovely podcast logo into our video editor, Manta Ray Hat. The next episode will be out in two weeks. 